Hey everybody, Ellie here. Atomic Moms is a weekly parenting podcast about the joys and complexities of caring for our little ones and ourselves. We join forces with celebrities, best-selling authors, parenting experts, and caregivers all over the world to hear their unique stories in this universal experience of raising a child. Find us on social media at Atomic Moms and also at Ellie in LA and leave a review on iTunes.com backslash Atomic Moms. Okay, we have a new mom session. Atomic Mom's frequent guest, Claire Coffey, and if you're a new listener, you might recognize her uh, from Grimm on NBC. They just had their 100th episode. That's crazy. Congratulations, Grimm. I'm on episode like 80-something, so congratulations us. (laughs) Okay, so... Claire has designed a -a one-of-a-kind baby bag with the Portland company Looped Works to support the charity Girls, Inc. And now they're doing a Kickstarter so that the bag can be made available to all of us. And a portion of the proceeds will go to Girls, Inc. And she's basically saving the world. I mean, that's what I'm going to say. Because the Calvin, which is the name of her baby bag, features excess leather from the Danner Boot Company and saves about 2,000 gallons of water per bag. It's a really cool, like, backpack. And so... The Calvin is named after her son, Calvin, Sabrina's future. Uh, I don't know. I'm sure she'll break his heart at some point. I, at least I hope so. She'll probably study abroad and crush him. Mind you, they're both under three right now. Anyway, so <laughs> support the Calvin. Go to Kickstarter and search Claire Coffee or the Calvin and you'll find it there or find it on our social media pages at Atomic Moms. This episode is so much fun. I got out four mics. It's four moms. We're all sitting at my dining room table, and we are sharing with you Marie's epic birth story. In her pre-mom life, Marie Horrigan was a political reporter for Congressional Quarterly. She was like on C-SPAN. And when she gave birth to her first son, Patrick, she had hoped for a natural childbirth at the hospital. She went to the hospital, but Her birth was a pretty traumatic experience that left her feeling powerless. And when I think about it, a lot of my favorite women have lived through terrible birth experiences, including my own mother with me. And there can be anger at the baby and at oneself and at one's partner. The word shame comes up a lot when I talk to these mothers, and so does the word failure. And there's so much fear over having a second one and going through all of that again. It makes me wonder if that's why I'm my mother's only child. So the question is, what are these mothers supposed to do? How are they supposed to trust their bodies when it didn't go right, in quotes, right, the first time? And so today I'm sharing one story. Just one little epic comeback story of how a mother was able to let go in order to reclaim a part of herself. And she was able to see motherhood and the world in a new light. Our lives are stories in progress, and at any moment we can change the genre of our narrative. It brings to mind this amazing discussion we had on the podcast recently with the editor-in-chief of Esquire magazine, who's like, editor-in-chief forever like all through like the 80s and parts of the 70s his name is lee eisenberg look up that episode it's so good marie's going to share a little bit about her first birth and genre wise like that was a drama it was hard and it was scary and um i think it's kind of funny because we all we live in hollywood and if you were a screenwriter and you sold that first birth 
story, they'd want to pigeonhole you and be like, well, your ne- the next one, that next story should also be the, you know, the same genre as the first story. But it's not. The second birth is like the best loving family comedy you'd ever see. So thank goodness our lives aren't, we're not Hollywood. <laughs> like we don't have to pigeonhole ourselves. It is possible for it to be different. So I've asked Deanna Russo, who you most recently heard on our postpartum uh, panel podcast, and Bridget Maloney Sinclair, who you also heard on that Friends Without Kids episode with Claire, and they're going to chime in on this one. So don't listen to this one with the kiddos, um, because Deanna has a mouth of a sailor, <laughs> and because the story gets a little graphic at times. But please listen, and please share with a friend or a mom group. I know there's so many women that are so afraid of the next time and I just want to put out in the world that here's one little beautiful example of how it can be different. Okay, we are all in a mom group together. So this is like a mom, like a fun friend mom group episode. Marie had the most incredible birth story, and I don't think I'm overselling it. And Deanna hasn't heard it, so I... Have you heard it, Bridget? I have heard it, and I, uh. I repeated it. I hope that's okay, Marie. <laughs> no, it's just to my husband. Okay, great. Um, Thank you. So yeah, if you it. hear sounds, they'll probably be coming from Deanna, because she has not heard it yet. <laughs> it's incredible. <laughs> Deanna's holding a mic because I ran out of mic stands, <laughs> so... And also, well, this is my penitence because I forgot the mic stand too. Well, but this is what happens when you're on my um, super, super professional show. I might text you that morning saying, hey, do you have a mic stand? Can you bring it? And you do. And I do because my husband's a musician and he records in our house. And so we have anything, any, you guys, anything you want, text me. I won't bring it. It's great. Okay. So I've been harassing Marie about her birth story because it's insane and incredible and wonderful. And I can't wait for her to share it with you all. And also because I feel like it gives hope to mamas. Uh, Marie did not have a great first birth. Mm -hmm. And so the fact that this second birth was so wild and exciting and positive, I just want to put that out in the world any way we can. That, you know, there is... There's always the possibility that next time will be different. Absolutely. And that, uh, you know, just because there was one, you know, despite our traumas in the past, that doesn't mean that the next go around can't be completely different. Yeah, absolutely. Last time I saw you, you were pregnant. Yep. I think this was like September, October. Mm -hmm. Like how far along were you? Uh, So I gave birth in early December. So I would have been like the end of second trimester. Okay. Pretty massive at that point, I'd guess. Feeling massive, looking glowing <laughs> Feeling and, well. and beautiful, yeah. and as we Feeling all do. Feeling unwieldy and, and unhappy, but yeah. yeah. yeah so. so can we talk, I guess, first a little bit about your birth with Patrick? Sure. Patrick and Sabrina have been besties since they were like two months old. Yep. We share a park. Yep. Uh, <laughs> yep. It's our private park. Only <laughs> Marie and I have keys to the park. <laughs> That's a real thing. In New York. Like everyone, yeah, who lives near Gramercy is like, oh man. (laughs) That joke was for you. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So, Marie, please, can you just share a little bit about 
that Absolutely. first experience. Yeah. So um, I had heard you did hypnobirthing and it sounds like you had an amazing experience with it. I did hypnobirthing. And did you have a good experience with I it? I mean, I had an experience, but it wasn't yeah. hypnobirthing's fault. Well, so Bridget, <laughs> I, I think it's safe to say, and I don't even know Deanna's birth story, but you guys, have, you both went through the ringer. And I did hypnobirthing and it didn't help my situation. Yeah, yeah. that was my experience was they sold me on the idea of pain-free birth and I bought that hook, line, and sinker. I just like... You flinched. You visibly yeah. flinched. <laughs> I think I had like a seizure. And I think I was, I was so... I was so worried about every aspect of it that that the one thing that really helped me with was I listened to the meditations while I was pregnant. And that really helped me not Mm -hmm. freak out about giving birth. It helped me not at all when I actually went into labor because what they kept saying in the classes, it'll feel like surges and you'll feel pressure. And when my contractions started, I was like, what on earth is going on? This is the most painful thing I've ever felt in my entire life. And so the contractions started, um, I think, on a Wednesday morning. And they went on, and I I remember hiding in bed with the covers over my head, just like crying. And our cleaning lady was downstairs, like cleaning the house. And I was just like, just don't come up here. I'm in labor. (laughs) And my husband was like trying to finish out his day at work. And he's only a Scooby Doo ghost. (laughs) (laughs) Did the cleaning lady come back? (laughs) (laughs) She did. She sent flowers and was like, I hope you're okay. It was very sweet. Um, Anyway, so. I was in labor and uh, it was it was it was intense and I was really surprised and um, I it was totally not what I expected and it felt so painful and so that night I woke my husband up in the middle of the night and I was kind of game I was like well they said every five minutes you know uh, one minute long like let's go and we went and I just kind of jauntily walked into the hospital and the nurse like looked at me and laughed and was like nope, <laughs> go back yeah. go home <laughs> and so we and I and I remember being like oh my god it gets worse than this and so I went home and I went to the doctor that day for my regularly scheduled appointment and I was like holding on to you know my fingernails in my husband's arm and I just did not cope with it at all on any on any level part of it was I was in labor for so long and I you know I had the whole I had the reaction where you throw up and so I was Mm. dehydrated and so when we finally got to the hospital I remember I couldn't even walk into the hospital they had to like bring a wheelchair to me and I was just doubled over and um, they brought me in, and the and the guy who's pushing the wheelchair is like, "You just need to breathe through it." Oh, and I God. swear to God, I almost punched him in the face. Like, I was how just was like, your "Yeah, how was, sir. how was it for you, sir?" When yeah. your entire uterus was trying to expel a child. So, um, so I got in, and I was like, I just couldn't, I just couldn't cope at all. I was totally like caught off guard by how awful it was and I was so upset and so they were like do you want an epidural and I was like yes can I get an epidural yesterday Um, and so they gave me an epidural and then I felt fine but one of the things they warn you about in hypnobirthing is what they call the cascade of intervention and that's exactly what happened to me so I got an epidural and then they lost the baby's heartbeat yeah same here and so they you know a nurse hits a red button on the wall and they all come flooding in and they flip me over to on all fours and they give me a shot in the back that stops the contractions 
And then um, they get the baby's heartbeat again, but then they can't get the contraction started again. So then they start giving me increasing doses of Pitocin to get the contraction started again. They gave me three rounds of Pitocin. And I can't feel anything, but apparently I'm contracting so hard it's like one long contraction. They can't get any sort of normal rhythm going. And so... And then the doctor comes in, who's not my favorite guy. He's apparently a very well-respected doctor, um, really good. Bedside manner leaves something to be desired. And he's like, okay, well, now we're going to do this. And I couldn't feel anything. I couldn't feel anything. Um, and I'm, I'm trying to push, and I'm trying to do what he's saying, but I can't figure out what I'm doing. And I'm and what they had told us in hypnobirthing is that you breathe the baby down. And I talked to him before I went into labor and said, this is what I'm doing. This is how I'd like to do it. Mm-hmm. Are you game? And he's like, yeah, we'll see, you know, which should have been a red flag. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he's having me hold contractions without breathing at all and bearing down as hard as I can for like a minute or more at a time. And I'm not feeling anything. And then I start having this reaction, which is, I later find out, called a vasovagal reaction, Mm -hmm. where you black out when you try to push. And so he tells me to push, and then I'm blacking out. And all I know is I come to, and I see both him. And it happens like five or six times. And you're losing, you're fainting, I'm losing consciousness. My sister has it with having blood drawn almost every time. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm fainting, and I just, when I, my eyes are open the whole time, so I don't look like anything's wrong. And so then the doctor's leaning over me and he kind of says to me, kind of almost like irritated, well, I'm telling you to push and you're not pushing. So what's happening? And I- Most vulnerable scenario. Yeah. And so I finally (laughs) look at my husband and I can't talk. I've never felt so like far away from everyone in my life. I can't really talk, but I finally look at my husband and I go, I'm blacking out. And so they have to like- flip me onto one side so that this doesn't happen. And I push and push and push and push. And I just think this baby's never going to come out because he's telling me to push and it, and it hurts, but I'm not feeling anything. And then finally the baby comes out. And what they had told us was then they'll, you know, put, you know, they'll take him over, wipe him off and put him on your chest. No, they get him over there. And apparently his tone looks bad. They, they think there's something wrong with him. So they don't bring him over and they're rubbing him. And my husband really remembers this as being a very scary time. Mm-hmm. I was so out of it at that point. I do remember the doctor pulling the placenta out of me. Oh, yeah. But, you know, mm-hmm. that's about that's all trigger I... Trigger warning. Yeah. Go back. I might have an intro to this episode and be like, so if you're a brand new mom, just like fast forward to the great birth. So, okay. Yeah. But then he was okay. He was okay. He didn't get the skin to skin. We did. We did eventually, but then they took him away later and they came in and they're like, his, he's not crying. Ugh. We want him to cry. His tone is low. And later the next day when the, and so I just spent the first night, the whole first night crying. I just spent the, yeah. they took him away and no one came and talked to me. So my husband was gone with the baby and I'm alone in the recovery room for like a half hour and I don't know where everyone is and I don't know what's going on. And he finally comes back and I'm like, is he okay? And my husband's like, well, he, they think he's okay, but they want to make sure. And, you know, and so when the pediatrician comes the next day, she's very no nonsense. And she's like, what are they talking about? His skin tone's bad. Your husband's Irish. He looks Irish. <laughs> like, you know, I don't know what the problem is here. Um, so it all ended up being okay, but I was really traumatized by it. Yeah. Like I was traumatized for weeks afterwards. I was traumatized like for you know, a long, long time afterwards. And so when I was pregnant the second time... No, 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 back it up. 
Like that's such uh that's a kind of trauma that I think would give pause to getting pregnant again. So I have to ask, like like, what did you, were you drunk? Like, what did you do? You know, do? it's funny. I have what, what uh, one therapist once told me is a counterphobic response to things. Counterphobic means you run towards the thing you're afraid yeah, of. Yeah, me too. Okay. So, God, we need to so, hang out more. Yes. <laughs> or so, not at all. And, yeah, you know, she, all that stuff. I'll yes. be there to, to be like, this is terrible. This, this is a terrible idea. idea. Also, just like the spatial relationship of us at the table is so funny because Bridget and I are just like, no, oh my God, the anxiety levels. Yeah. The roof. Like, I'll talk you out of that. I'll tell you how. Yeah. Bad. You don't need a skydive. <laughs> yeah. Which Tiana's already done. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Anyway. So, so, anyway. Yeah, and, your and choice to have a second one, though. So, did you. We, we like, wanted to do it as fast okay, as possible. Okay. So, you just wanted to. You, wanted wanted to to you always it. said that. You were like, I'm yeah. ready. I'm ready. I want to do it. I want to do it. And meanwhile, also, Patrick. I want to get to the real story, but Patrick was like, he was a tough, tough cookie. Baby, he, he did not crying for more than s- two hours a night until he was eighteen months. Yeah, yeah, it was really yeah. tough. I love Man, him. He's you're the unbreakable, best. but like, but it was, it was rough. And I was like, let's just because if we get too far away from this, I will never do this again. So let's right. just do it as fast as possible. Mm-hmm. And so we did. And I got pregnant when he was like eighteen months, and he um, slept longer than two hours. He slept like, longer tonight, than two hours. Tonight. I was like, we slept for like four hours and I was like, it's on. Yeah. So, so, you know, God bless him. Now he sleeps seven to seven, you know. And did you been... decide like, I'm going to have a doula this time? Yes. Why wasn't there a doula la- the first time? You know, that was sounded advice. judgy and I don't want to be judgy. No, it but was I'm just really curious bad because advice. they had no birthing thing. They, they really pushed the doula. I was, I was on, um, I, I went to, I had back problems and I went to a chiropractor that like everyone in LA knows, Dr. Berlin. Dr. Berlin. Mm-hmm. And he, he was, I told him the name of the person I was doing hypnobirthing with and the name of my OB. And he was like, that is the most schizophrenic birth experience Whoa. I can imagine because your OB is so medical and the a hypnobirthing person you're working with is so touchy-feely. Um, how are you going to bridge that? And I bridged it really by deferring to the doctor, which in hindsight was a terrible idea because I had a terrible experience. So this time around, I got a new OB. I got a doula. I, I did I did everything I could think of to do. I saw Dr. Berlin. He actually recommended someone in his practice who does what's called medical hypnosis, which is supposed to help you heal the trauma from it. Nice. And I think that actually really helped me reconfigure everything in my mind. So it was like, okay, this is something I'm going into. And so it was really interesting because about, I remember waking up like midway through my second trimester and being like, oh my God, I have to give birth again. Yeah. And being like, how am I going to do that? And so kind of through all these things and meeting with the doula, I picked a doula I really loved and felt great about. And she helped me process it. And the medical um, hypnotist helped me process it. And one of the things the doula and I talked about a lot was like what it should look like. And so she said, you know, you had 36 hours of labor last time. So probably what we're looking at is somewhere between 8 and 12 hours. And you'll probably, we'll try to do as much of the early labor at home. And so I had this idea in my head of this is what it's going to look like. And so one of the meetings I came with her and I'm like, I'm totally good for 8 to 12 hours at home. We'll watch movies. We'll do this. We'll do that. And then she looked at me and she kind of held my hand and she said, that may not be how it goes either. You need to be ready for anything. And so then I really sat with that. And I really sat with, okay. And expectations will bite you in the ass every time. And so I got to, I just, in this very like mammalian mama way, 
in the weeks leading up to the birth, I stopped leaving the house. I like just, I just like hunkered down. The first time around, what I did as nesting was I made 26 freezer meals. Oh, yeah. You know, this time around, I was like, I'm just going to like hunker down and like be in my mama's space, mm. like emotionally. And I was, and I've never felt so grounded in my life. I was just like, okay, I'm ready for whatever it is, bring it. And so the universe heard you. The universe oh my heard God. So everybody, if you're driving right now, pull over to the side of the road because let's jump into this. So yeah. So you know, when we, was your due date? My due date was December eleventh, I think. Okay. And I had gone nine days early with Patrick, and so I expected to go nine days early again. Yeah. You know, because it was There's my second expectations. Birth. And, anyway. and so. You know, we the day before we had gone to the firefighters museum and we had been walking around and we had come home. And so that night we went to bed. And one of the things that Dula had said is, you know, the last time you're going to be able to get sleep for quite a while is early labor. So maybe consider even taking like a Benadryl and going yeah. to sleep for a while. A glass of red wine. A glass of yeah. red wine, a Benadryl, go to sleep. You know, Quinn, my husband, you get some sleep and then, you know, come you know, call me when they get closer together. So at 1.30, I wake up because I feel a contraction and it's really strong. And I am like, oh. And so I roll over and I kind of shake my husband and I'm like, I think this is it. I think I'm starting to have contractions. And he goes, okay, sweetie. And he rolls over and he goes back to bed. (laughs) And so I text the doula and I'm like, contractions have started, nothing big. You know, nothing regular, I'll keep you posted. So then the next contraction comes. I put on this uh, this CD the hypnotist has given me to me. It's called Sleep Through Your Contractions. And so you're supposed to just listen to it and sleep. It's amazing. And just kind of ride the contractions. And there are two things that people said to me that really helped. One is that uh, people who are in comas give birth which like kind of blew my mind because it was like, okay, so the body knows what it's doing. Yeah. I just have to get out of the way. Oh, that's you so know? good. And then the second thing was she had said is you want to catch your breath. You can feel it building. You want to catch your breath before the contraction really starts and then let it out through the whole contraction. And so I know mm. uh, in Ellie's birth story, she talked about this really beautiful image of it being like a surfer and seeing the wave come. And so I ended up having the perfect hypnobirthing birth because I was able to do that. I was able to use my breath to really ride these waves. But they're coming hard and fast. And all I keep thinking of is, well, I thought they were really hard the first time and I got sent home, you mm. know, so I must be doing this wrong. But I keep, you know, from time to time rolling over and kind of shaking my husband and going, you know, honey, um, these seem really strong and they seem really close together. And he's going, okay, let's all, so he gets up and he gets me some Benadryl and he gives me some Benadryl and he goes, okay, sweetie, I love you. I'm going to go back to sleep. <laughs> so he goes back to sleep and then Bridget like, and I are like, oh, we can't even, we can't hold it together because we know what's coming. <laughs> so wait, was this the first time you took Benadryl or the second time now? The first time. Okay. The first time. So like an ambient, you know, <laughs> The light rushing. I smoked a bowl. No, I mean, I really, it was, I take the Benadryl and I roll over and I'm really, and I'm like totally intending to sleep now. So to be told, so my two and a half year old is asleep in the room that's like just behind our bathroom. You know, we like, we're all on our own. And so finally I wake him up and I'm like, 
these are really hard. And I'm thinking, gosh, 12 hours of this is going to be really a lot to manage through. So I finally get up. And one of the things she had mentioned is that laboring in the tub can be a lot more comfortable. So I say, okay, here's the deal, Quinn. (laughs) I have to break it down for you. I need you to get up. And I need you to start timing these and I need you to run a bath for me so that I can get into the bathtub and I need you to put my my CD on in the bathroom so that I can be listening to it. So he does, he's, he's a saint. And so he does that and I get in the bathtub and it is glorious. I mean, it is like, okay, I can move and kind yeah. of roll around as yeah. I need to when the contractions hit. And they're coming. What time is it? It's probably like 2.30. Oh, wow. Okay. But they're coming like totally irregularly, you know, and everything they tell you is that they start far apart and they get closer together. So it'll be, oh, that one was three minutes. Oh, my gosh. But then this next one's nine minutes. And this one's this. And I'm not making any noise during them. I'm just breathing through them. And at one point, my husband... We have this beautiful clawfoot tub and he comes and he puts his chin on his hands on the edge of the tub and he kind of looks at my face and I look over and it's the only time I snapped at him and I go, I can't have your face anywhere near me. (laughs) (laughs) So (laughs) I later find out he had taken our son's like one foot tall plastic chair and he had set it behind the tub and my six foot four husband's like crouched down on it like trying to be as unobtrusive as possible so that he doesn't set me off again but i'm just riding them (laughs) and so i'm like and so then i go I need you to call our parents. This is happening fast. I can feel this happening fast. Now, at no point do I think, wow, I should call my OB. At no point do I say, wow, we should get in the car and go to the hospital, which is something that I endlessly dissect later. Mm -hmm. But um, at the time, I say, we need to get the doula here. And that was one of the things when I told them to draw the bath. They said, I need you to get the doula over here because I just need more help. I just need more help. And so then... I feel this sensation that I've never felt before because I never felt the urge to push with Patrick because I was on uh, such a high epidural. And I, it's not, it's such a weird feeling. I'm not meaning to push. I don't think I should push. My body just starts pushing. And at first I think, oh my gosh, am I just pooping? Like what's yeah. happening? And so it's like, uh, uh, uh. And I kind of, <laughs> That's it. and I don't say anything to my husband because I'm like, He's been so good till now. This will really set him over the edge. But I do you gotta keep this a secret. <laughs> no one can ever know about this. But I do say to him, where is the doula? Mm-hmm. And I hear my parents get in. I hear my husband go up. I hear, and he checks his phone. He says, she's, she's 10 minutes away. And I think to myself, okay, I can wait 10 minutes. But I think the baby's coming out. And so uh, she comes and my parents are, I hear my parents around and the doula comes in. Her name is Zul. She's a saint from heaven. And she comes in and she kind of leans down the bathtub and she takes my hand and she says, okay, Marie, she's from uh, Puerto Rico and she has this fabulous accent. She says, okay, Marie, what is happening now? And I say, and it's the first time I let myself really like realize what's happening. And I say, I'm having the baby. And she said, okay. <gasps> she goes, Quinn, get the car ready. And so Quinn goes up and I go, no, I'm pushing. The baby's crowning. The baby's coming out. And you had I felt yourself. You just knew. No, I just knew. Wow. And I, 
and I can feel the baby's head between my legs. And I say to her, and I start crying and I start like hyperventilating and she takes my hand. She goes, oh no, we're okay. We got this. Okay. Deep breaths. And so, okay. okay. And when, as soon as she says, we've got this, we're okay. I'm like, all right, Zool knows what she's talking about. We've got this. We're okay. And I start deep breathing. And she goes, she calls, Quinn comes back down and she goes, Quinn, I need you to call 911. And so he goes upstairs to call 911 and I'm breathing and the contractions are coming and I'm like breathing. And then I go, the baby's coming. I need my husband here. I can't have this baby without him. And so she calls him and he comes down and I take his hand and it's like one of the most memorable moments of my life. And I say, uh, Quinn, and he leans down and I kiss him and I say, I love you. And then I, I lean forward and I grab the edges of the tub and I push. And in three pushes, the baby comes out. <laughs> Jesus Christ, I'm crying. Yeah, we all are. We're all crying. We're all just dry-eyed. We were all just doing like tear checks. Like, um, <laughs> and, and your two-year-old is sleeping through all of them. My two-year-old is asleep. On the next wall. The next wall. The next okay. wall. And so, and it's the only time I make noises when I'm pushing. And it's like this totally like mama bear primal like yeah. noise. And the baby comes out. But, but, but before he does, just his head comes out and he's just underwater and I feel him turn his head back and forth for like a minute before the rest of him comes out. And I, and I have a bit of a panic because I'm like, how is he going to breathe? And then I remember I've seen a documentary about this. (laughs) He's fine as long as the cord is still connected. Yeah. So the baby comes out and she puts him on my chest and she gets wet washcloths and she puts them on top of him so that he'll stay warm. And then I hear my mom go, can I come in? (laughs) (laughs) And I say, no, 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 not yet, not yet, not yet. And I don't, and so then we're there and he's there. And the most amazing thing is no one panicked. And, you know, I have this like totally accidental home birth that I, uh, water birth, no less, that I don't mean to have. And I just never felt panicked. I just feel like this is what Finn wanted. That's what we end up naming him, Finn. This is what Finn wanted. And so, you know, he comes out, I deliver the placenta, and then we let my parents come in. And Zul is totally masterful, and she's kind of orchestrating everything. And she's saying, you know, I need a bowl. My dad needs tasks. You know, he's really type A. And so she says, well, you go get a bowl. So he goes up and he gets a metal salad bowl and he brings it down. And by the way, we should say your parents are not hippies. My parents are whatever the opposite of a hippie is, is what my parents are. They're squares. (laughs) They are squares. East Coast establishment, you know, (laughs) Rockefeller Republicans, old school. (laughs) And so they get the bowl and they put the placenta in it and... Oh my God. My, Isn't my that amazing? Son, then the paramedics come down. So, like, six paramedics in boots come down the stairs and they come in. And the doula warns me, she's like, they're going to want to take you to the hospital. But really, at this point, there's no reason you need to go to the hospital. She's called the midwife she's training with to become a midwife. And she can come in and examine the baby and examine me and see if everything's okay. And so um, they come in and they're like, totally cool apparently my dad yelled at them upstairs but other than that they're totally cool and they're like oh everything seems to be under control okay well congratulations and they tromp back upstairs but my son who was like not a good sleeper and his life sleeps through 
all of this. He sleeps through. They get me. They stand me up. They get me in the shower. I take a shower. My mom has the baby and she carries the baby into our bedroom and my dad's carrying the bowl with the placenta behind him. The way that your hands are now looks like he was carrying your tits. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. So he's carrying the bowl with the placenta. Actually something even more intimate. Yes. The placenta. (laughs) So he's carrying the placenta and at one point like he stops and my mom's still walking and the duel has to be like, it's still attached. You have to keep up with them. It's still connected. <laughs> when you share that part of the story of your father carrying the placenta connected to the baby and that, you know, your whole, both of your parents are a part of this experience yeah. and said that all of you guys just like gave it up to the universe. Yeah, we just, and, and I had like meditated on this and done work on this my parents were walking into this cold you know they had no idea this was going to happen and my mom later told me she was upstairs and when they heard the baby cry she turned to my father and said i think that's the baby i think the baby was born um and you know they had no idea and everybody just rolled with it and so they get into the bed and my mom's holding the baby and they get the the midwife's come and she and the doula get me into the shower and I take a shower and my mom goes upstairs and makes me eggs and then and my did the paramedics come and they're trying they did but then they just they said everything looks okay and they left oh really yeah. so they just took vitals and stuff and yeah they were like, no they didn't, cool. even they didn't even do anything do they okay. just came in and were like it all looks okay and then they left wow and so then my son wakes up at 7 30 so the baby's <laughs> born at 4 40 I my labor started at 1 30 and so then the the you know, my son wakes up and my husband goes and gets him and gets a bottle and reads him his books just like we always do. And he goes, baby brother came last night. And Patrick says, I get him something. And so he goes into his room and he gets a rattle Aww. and he brings it in to give to baby brother. And I'm sitting in bed and my mom's sitting in bed next to me with the baby in her arms. And he comes in and he gets to meet his baby brother. And he gives him the rattle. And then he gets to sit on my lap and he gets to watch as the baby's examined. And he gets to watch as his dad cuts the cord, which was like two hours after the baby was born. What? Yeah, they just left it attached the whole time because there was no reason to do anything with it. It's like all that cord blood surging through. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God, I didn't realize yeah. it could be for that long. Yeah. There are some people who don't cut it at all and wait till, yeah, it, wait till it drops really. off. Yeah, but I mean, that's not for me, but yeah. <laughs> two hours seems great. Yeah, <laughs> your mileage may vary. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so wait, so. wait, where's the other end of the cord? <laughs> On the placenta or on it's the you? Yeah. baby? On the baby. So it's... No, no, no. I get the baby's got the... But I'm sorry. So this the placenta is... is in the bowl. And, and the, then cord the cord runs is... oh all the way to the baby. Yeah. I never... I, I uh, love this. Okay, sorry. I just needed to process that image yeah. for a second. Okay. Okay, we can keep going. Yeah. <laughs> this is just a lot. And I have so many visceral reactions. I'm sorry <laughs> that I like hijacked. But please stop. But that's it. I mean, and then it was just like... It was it was the most transcendent experience I've ever had in my life. And then, you know, my mom made me breakfast and the baby slept and my husband and I took a two or three hour nap with the baby in bed with us. And it was just it. The only thing I can say is it feels like it cracked me over open in every aspect of my life. It was just this completely beautiful transcendent experience and it not only like healed kind of the wounds from my son's first birth but it also kind of 
pushed me a little further down the road in terms of being willing to be open to kind of what's going to come my way. Um, and, and I love that your doula's name was Zool, which is like the Ghostbusters. I know. Right? Like yeah. there's only Zool. Yeah. There's no Dana. I love that. <laughs> like what a powerful presence. Yeah. She was, she was unbelievable. She was unbelievable. She kept the, all the trains running and everything going and everyone and what, calm. What about your OB? Did you ever call your OB? You're like, oh my okay, gosh. guess so, what? You know what's the weirdest calls in the world is calling the OB and the pediatrician who expects to come examine mm-hmm. your child at the hospital and being like, oops, you know, and I felt almost mm-hmm. like I had like was like a teenage pregnancy like I accidentally had the baby in my bathtub you know I'm Uh so sorry Uh and so you know the OB had me come the next week and checked me out and she just kind of like hands akimbo like (laughs) what happened and I was like I don't know you tell me what happened because my first labor was 36 hours and she's like well apparently you're good at giving birth who knew so um you know, it was just a very weird conversation. And and my husband handled most of those calls, thankfully, because I felt so like blown apart and like also like weirdly sheepish, you know, that like I had like messed up somehow. And, And afterwards I thought about it. And the only thing I can think is it took so much focus and concentration to get through those contractions because I think I was already in transition by the time I started feeling the contractions. Yeah. Um, although, you know, I had gone to the doctor the two days before and I wasn't dilated really at all. But, you know, I think it just took so much concentration because it was moving so fast that um, I just couldn't even conceive of how I would get into a car. That was the thing I yeah, couldn't figure out. And you weren't, you didn't think this is it. Yes. You know? And like I thought, oh, I've no, got eight yeah, more hours of this. this is the beginning yeah. of it. Yeah. So there's no, yeah. Which is also so helpful. Like when, with my birth, not knowing, I mean, we never know anyway, but I had, I never knew from my doula at the hospital, like how far along I was. So yeah. I wasn't able to have the expectations yeah. because I would have quit way earlier or just thrown in the towel and been like, forget this. I'm not going to do this for this many more hours. But when yeah. you're in the dark, and if you can sort of accept that, that we're in the dark, we don't know what's going to happen, um, <clears throat> that it can be, uh, there's less anxiety there. Yeah. Because the expectations aren't there. Because it's, it's, it's like how in an exercise class, if we're, yep. we're doing something to 20, I always quit at 19. <laughs> I'm yeah. seriously, every time I do like the push, like a, if it's a Pilates thing, it's like, oh, do it to 20. I always bow out at 19 or whatever. And yeah. so it's like not knowing sometimes it can be helpful. Do you, I also, this might be an offensive uh, image, but I told it to Claire um, when she was pregnant. For me, an analogy is like, I just thought of being drunk in the backseat of a car. Like, you know, when that time that you were really, really drunk in the backseat yep. of a car and you're like, I am so drunk. I have no idea where I'm going or what's going to happen. Hopefully it's not an Uber. Hopefully it's not an Uber. <laughs> well, hopefully. It, but yeah, trigger. And hopefully trigger. it's not, you know, hopefully there's a sober driver. But that sort of idea that you're just like, there's nothing. It's what am I going to do? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm not the driver. I'm yeah. not the captain of the ship right now. You're just riding it. So my horrible metaphor is that you're just like a drunk person <laughs> in the back of a car. Yeah. <laughs> but that's we all are. But yes, especially labor. I know it's true. Yeah. For me, I kind of felt like I wished, I, I felt like I could have handled any of it if I just had a, a breath or a break to take that inhale and then, and then ride that exhale. But in my experience, I didn't have 
yeah. a break. It was just one, like once it kicked in and it, mine was similar. It was like three days of labor, but it didn't get real bad until like the, you know, the, the night before, like almost 24 hours before I actually gave birth. And it was, it was just this one long contraction. There's nothing to time. Yeah. It's also what Marie said about getting in the bath. What I've said to friends, um, before they got pregnant. Now I'm like, forget I said that. But um, <laughs> what surprised me was that it's it was very hard for me to move during the contraction. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it was I impossible. had gotten, I was being monitored because of the baby's heart rate, but I got the special wireless telemetry, blah, 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 so I could move around and I had a ball. And I still, during the contractions, would be like frozen. Yeah. And which, you know, you you train you prepare not to be but it's very difficult yeah i was trying to walk you know you always hear about like walk around the hospital walk through walk down that hallway i mean i got to the hallway and when the contraction i would just sort of like melt into the wall yeah yeah Yeah. even there was no way even letting go paralyzing yeah it really yes it was it was very surprising i'd be like just prop me up here yeah i'll lay here while like yeah my playlist plays quietly in the background (laughs) How has this, so you said that it's opened you up, this experience. Yeah. Can you think of something in the past year that you're like, oh, I might have done that, you know, if I hadn't had this birth experience, I might have approached this differently um, or had more of a knee-jerk reaction about something. That's really interesting. I mean, I think just kind of in general, um, I just feel like the world feels different to me. I don't know how else to say it. Like, we have this baby and Finn is just this little bliss bomb. He's just this... Like he'll he'll start to fuss and I'll lean over and I'll smile at him and he'll just be like ah uh? like a Gerber baby. I mean it's it's and it like we just we're having this like wild love affair, you know. And it's just I I just feel like I I just get all these like the connections between things, you know, and and um kind of the way you know like the long line of motherhood you know Mm. like all that stuff that I didn't really understand before and kind of just you know when I have having a two and a half year old is is a trip and um and Patrick is really willful um which is fabulous because it means he'll be you know a strong spirited adult um but it has its challenges for me. And so kind of trying to just ride that out, man, mm-hmm. you are on the floor. This is happening. It is real. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll just be here with you. Okay. All right. Let's, let's be here with this like full, you know, boneless tantrum. moment. Yeah. yeah. Um, Marie, you said something, um, that I'm going to quote back to you <laughs> that, that makes me cry when I think about which, when you were newly pregnant with, Finn, you said you had this realization that Patrick was going to belong to someone else. Oh, oh yeah. it makes me choke up just thinking about it. This idea that your your child was also going to be someone's brother. Yeah. And I think that's so beautiful. This sense of just even in your family, how, yeah, your kid is more than just your kid, yeah. which obviously we all hope that we know and are yeah. going to project. But the, that idea was really very powerful when you said it. I choked up at the time, choked up telling my sister. <laughs> I quote Marie to everyone. <laughs> I choked up now. <laughs> no, it's really, um, I remember so distinctly, like I was in our kitchen and I was looking out and he was, it was at our old house, this was before we moved, and he was walking in our backyard and I just looked at him and I said, 
that exactly that like he's going to belong he's going to be somebody's brother he's not just my baby he's going to be somebody's big brother Mm -hmm. you know and it just like kind of blew me apart because it's like this is my guy and his world is going to like expand so much with this um and our world is going to expand so much with this and it's just it's so astounding because it's really easy to feel guilty like particularly in the beginning um the the first weeks were hard mostly the baby was so undemanding you could send him anywhere and he'd just be like okay I'll go to sleep now um but mostly just because, you know, I was still recovering and I wasn't supposed to pick Patrick up. And that was so painful for me because he was my guy. Mm-hmm. And there really was a restructuring of our relationship where he really um, connected with his father in a new way, you know, which is so beautiful, but also like a little bit sad for me. Um, but they are so close now. Um, my husband was able to take time off for paternity leave and really do all the stuff with Patrick. And I'm hoping as, you know, the baby's less of a blob and more of a person that, yeah, they really will have that relationship and that's going to be so exciting for them. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story with all of us, Marie. Okay, listeners, till next week, trust in your goodness, live out your greatness, rock on, Atomic Moms.